Hello and welcome to the Revival Radio Show and Podcast. Revival is a place where you can come to encounter and ponder truth. In this show, we are going to be exploring the rich abundance of truth that the Catholic Church has to offer in all her wisdom. My name is Tara Lauderdale, and every show I will be reading an excerpt from spiritual books, church councils, writings from the saints, and more, and then offering a brief commentary on what I've read. This is so we can have the opportunity to hear and contemplate truth, and then allow this truth to penetrate into our daily lives so that we can become imitators of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Revival. I am your host, Tara Lauderdale, and I'm so glad to be with you all. I hope that today is great. I hope today is a great day for you. I'm trying to try something different with my intros. I really don't know how well that worked. It wasn't very smooth, but you know what? I'm not concerned with being smooth with this show. I'm concerned about talking about the Lord helping us love the Lord and know who he is and that's why we're here but next time I will try to have a better intro than just hope you're having a great day well that was just really sad anyway okay so uh we're gonna jump in to a super great topic super great topic are you kidding me I'm so excited about this one and you know I know I know that I say I'm excited about every single topic and I know that I've also said how often I say I'm excited gosh wow they're just like tangled webs today I guess anyway yes today's gonna be great I hope no I know it will it's gonna be awesome because we are talking about the Holy Spirit and anytime We are talking about the Holy Spirit. Great things happen. So before we jump in to our writing that we're going to be looking at today, we should pray and welcome the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our ears and our mind and just help us to really encounter him and meet him and know him. And so we're going to pray. Okay. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord God, we praise you and we bless you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for all the ways that you meet us and love us and choose us. Thank you most especially for giving us your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to cooperate with his working in our lives. Help us to be attentive to his presence. Please anoint us anew with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we just ask that during this time, we would come to know you more fully and we would come to love you even more than we do now. Please help us, Lord, to love you as you love us. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be looking at one of my favorite authors. It's kind of funny. I think I think if I had to give a list of my top spiritual writers or theologians, the list would consist of pretty much most of the people I've done shows on. So we've got JP2, Pope Benedict XVI, Fulton Sheen, Frank Sheed, Peter Kreeft, and Romano Gardini. I think those are probably my top people. But today we're going to talk about another one of my top people. I've actually done a show with his writings before, but it was a long time ago. It had to have been like one of my very first shows when I still had a snowball microphone and I was recording in my office. Might have been recording. No, I was recording in my my old bedroom at that point. But anyway, we're coming back to one of my favorite authors. He's great. Haven't read this whole book. Just going to read a section of it or a chapter of it. It's Father Wilfred Stenison. He is my homie. He's so great. He wrote an amazing book on time. And I did a show a long time ago on the concept of time, how we use time, how we value time, all that good stuff. And he has, he just writes these like little books full of so much wisdom. Oh gosh, it's so good. So the book we're going to be looking at today is called The Holy Spirit, Fire of Divine Love. If that doesn't get you hyped, I just don't know what will. I don't know if I could do any better than that. So that's that's that. Okay, so we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, Fire of Divine Love, and we're going to read the first chapter. I There are a lot of really good titles, titles of these chapters, and it was kind of tough to pick. But once I went to the beginning, I kind of knew that's where we needed to start. So we're going to start there. Start with chapter one, and the title of this chapter is called The Spirit, God's Secret, and Yours. Ooh, so fun. I'll offer commentary. Could be at the end, could be in the middle, gonna let the spirit do his thing per usual. But I will say this content is top notch, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is one of those things that, one of those topics that some Christians really don't know him. I would actually say, oddly enough, a majority of Christians probably don't really know him and love him and cooperate with him, which is so interesting. I do think uh, the majority of Catholics definitely do not have relationships with the Holy Spirit. We can talk about him in kind of distant ways, but we really are in need of a new anointing and a new baptism of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, uh, charismatic movements happening around the country and around the world in the Catholic Church. Those are big, big deals. And it's interesting because uh, charismatic, (laughs) just like charismatic movements can really freak people out, but I think they're super awesome. I went to a Holy Spirit boot camp, uh, I guess it was two years ago now. That was so awesome and beautiful and incredible And I received a new anointing of the Holy Spirit on that retreat. And honestly, I was reflecting on it, I think just maybe today at Mass or even yesterday, of just how my life has really changed since that retreat because I've just become so much more, I have become so much more aware of my need for the Holy Spirit and my desire to cooperate with 
the ways that he's working in my life because he's the one that's purifying and sanctifying me and helping me to become like Jesus. So why would we not want to cooperate with him? Why would we not want to have a friendship with him? You know what I'm saying? So that's why we're going to read about the Holy Spirit because we got to know who he is and so we can love him and respond to him and actually have a relationship with him and then actually be transformed into God. That's the whole goal. But we got to have the Holy Spirit to do that. Okay, so I'm just going to start reading because I've talked a lot. Okay, the first section in this chapter titled The Spirit, God's Secret, and Yours is called The Ineffable God. And there's a lovely quotation at the start of this chapter that says, The Spirit is God's greatest gift. In giving us His Spirit, God gives us Himself. We ought never to be satisfied with anything less than God. But who is he? So good. All right. So let's take a look. Let's go to this section under the ineffable God. This is what Father Stenison writes. The Holy Spirit reminds us that God is mystery. The Son is truth. He is God who is no longer hidden. He is the God who is revealed. The Spirit, however, is God who is still concealed. He is the unfathomable depth of God, which is unreachable and incomprehensible. St. Paul associates the Spirit with the depths of God. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Spirit is the power that moves God to create, to reveal himself, and to become incarnate. He is the revealing power in and through him the Son becomes man, but he himself is not revealed. He is and remains the interior of God. It is he who gives negative theology its reason to exist. Negative theology means, and rightly so, that everything we say about God is insufficient, that no words are suitable for him, that he is always greater, and that therefore, Man's proper attitude before God is silent worship. God is word, therefore it is fitting to speak about God. But God is also spirit, therefore it is fitting to be silent before him. We can understand why Carmelites have a special love for the Holy Spirit. It is he who guides the development of prayer from that of considerations, that is, thinking and speaking, to contemplative silent prayer. In contemplative prayer, one becomes mute. What God has revealed of himself through his Son, the Word, allows us to perceive something of his mystery and leads us into it. It is the Holy Spirit who is God's mystery par excellence. Hans Urs von Balthasar dares to say that the Holy Spirit is beyond the Word. If I find myself in him, it is natural that words are left behind. He gives me a knowledge that is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Before this mystery, it is appropriate to be silent. Even his name reveals that the Holy Spirit is mysterious. The Hebrew ruah, the Greek pneuma, and the Latin spiritus mean both wind and breath. Jesus likens him to the wind. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. One cannot catch the wind or control it. There is something unpredictable about it. 
and the one who lets himself be captured by the Spirit receives something of his mystery and unpredictability. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay, so I'm going to pause there because I think that we're off to a really interesting start and it's super okay if you may be feeling kind of lost. So Father Stinnison is starting us out by helping us understand that the Holy Spirit reminds us that God is still a mystery, that he still has, he's revealed himself in the person of the Son, right? Jesus became incarnate and he says to us over and over in the Gospels, that he has come because of the one who has sent him. He has come to reveal him and make him known. So Jesus reveals the face of the Father. So God reveals himself in the person of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, Father Stinnison says, is God still concealed? And so it helps us understand that God is still a mystery and we cannot completely and totally capture God with words, that even still now, words are still insufficient when we try to describe God. And so there's this aspect of words as fitting for praising God, discussing God, speaking about God, but then also, especially when it comes to encountering the Holy Spirit, encountering the mystery of God that is the Holy Spirit, there is something about that reality that draws us into silence. And so he's saying that silence is extremely appropriate when encountering the Holy Spirit, when we're encountering the mystery of God. And that the Holy Spirit is someone that we can't catch or control. He, he's unpredictable. But when we are able to be captured by him, we get to participate in this mystery and unpredictability because he begins to lead us. So that's all I can say really about those few first few paragraphs. I'll just go ahead and keep going and seeing where Father Stinnison continues to take us. He writes, Even the other two great symbols of the Holy Spirit point to his mysterious character. Jesus speaks of living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive. Living water is spring water, bubbling water, water that is moving, that gushes forth without restraint, and its quantity or power cannot be determined. Okay, I'll pause there. So that's the first symbol of the Holy Spirit of living water. It's this water that is moving, it's bubbling, it's gushing forth without restraint. So he describes the Holy Spirit as a living water, but then he also says that the Spirit is fire. He descends as fire on the disciples at Pentecost. It is true that one can put out a fire in the beginning, but if it is left to itself, one loses all control over it. It sets everything on fire. Just as we have no power over spring water or fire, so likewise we have no power over the Spirit. We cannot describe him accurately or define him. We cannot lock him into a concept or analyze him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No one can catch the Spirit, but the one who wishes can let himself be caught. 
we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity. In this way, he becomes more concrete. But we must not let ourselves be fooled. He is not a person as we are persons. A human person exists for the most part in himself. The Holy Spirit, however, is a person who exists in two others. A human being becomes more of a person in the measure that he opens himself and gives himself to others. But the Holy Spirit is openness itself, giving itself. There is such a great difference between the Spirit's way of being a person and a human being's way of being a person that both Scripture and the Church have intentionally chosen impersonal symbols to speak about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not the one who acts, rather he is the act itself. He is the one through whom God reveals himself. It is not easy for us to imagine a person who is act, but that is what the Holy Spirit is. Everywhere the Spirit reveals himself, something happens. He is the event. The New Testament never paints a portrait of the Holy Spirit. Nowhere can we read a description of him. We cannot look at the Holy Spirit in the same way that we look at Jesus. You know him, says Jesus, for he dwells with you and will be in you. To know the Holy Spirit is above all to experience his action, to open oneself to his influence, to say yes to his impulses, and to let him be the source of everything one does. Everything that has to do with the Spirit is mysterious. He himself is the prayer within us, but a mysterious prayer that consists of groanings that cannot be expressed in speech and that God alone can interpret. When the Spirit moves a person to speak in tongues, he speaks secrets that no one can understand unless the word is interpreted by others who are inspired by the Spirit. Okay, this is a really difficult passage to give commentary on because it's so abstract. But I think that that just points to the nature of what we're talking about. We cannot describe the Holy Spirit. We cannot put him in a box. We can't control him. We can't define him. Yeah, so it's a little hard to talk about. <laughs> um, but I can say this. I do love that we are given these symbols of the Holy Spirit to help us kind of get a little bit of a grasp on him. So he's first this image of the living water. He's moving. He's gushing forth without restraint. He's bubbling over. But then he's also described as fire, which is so cool. And we, again, are pointed back to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples as tongues of fire. And I love that Father Stinnison points out that fire, when it's left to itself, it loses all control and it catches everything else on fire, which is so awesome. And I bet we're going to come back to that later. Uh, but and, and even more so that we can't catch control, box up the spirit, but we can let ourselves be caught up by the spirit. We can actually let ourselves be controlled, governed, and led totally by the Holy Spirit. I'm also grateful that Father Stinnison makes note of the fact that we can't understand the Holy Spirit as a person the way that we understand the way that we understand ourselves as human persons. 
that the Holy Spirit isn't the one who acts, but he's the act itself, uh, which is just, again, he's, he is the event. He is the prayer. So again, it is a mystery and it's kind of hard to understand, but I guess my invitation to you is right now, as we're coming to a close of this first segment, is if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you think that the Holy Spirit is unapproachable or difficult to understand or anything like that, I just highly encourage you to be open. Because here's the deal. When Jesus was preparing to ascend into heaven after he resurrected from the dead, he told his disciples that he was going to send someone to be with them when he left. That he was going to send an advocate, a counselor, a guide, and that all would be revealed to them after his departure and he sent the Holy Spirit. So if this is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, and he says way more, but I highly encourage you to go to the Farewell Discourse, John 14 through 17 and just see what he says about the Holy Spirit and also go to Acts of the Apostles and see what the Apostles do through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's wild. Oh, and also maybe go to uh, Luke. Uh Uh-oh, don't know the exact chapter. Wherever the Annunciation is, go there because this, these are indications of the Holy Spirit living and moving. And Uh, if we just look at what the apostles do with the Holy Spirit and what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and the fact that the angel Gabriel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to conceive in your womb, bada bing, bada boom. I think that we want everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Pretty confident we want as much of him as possible in our hearts, and our minds, and our lives, and our souls. We want to be totally filled by the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding? So, this is my invitation to you. Just open up that little door of your heart and just start letting him in. And it's super simple. Just start praying, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And pray that over and over again until you can't do it anymore. And actually let yourself be open and willing to receive him and cooperate with him. Because I'll tell you this, when we ask God for the Holy Spirit, he gives him to us. That is the one thing that the Lord really, really loves to give to us. It is the Holy Spirit. And so you can trust that if you ask for him, you will receive him. But also your heart has to be open and disposed to receiving and cooperating with him in all humility. So we have to be like the apostles. We have to be like Mother Mary. We have to be humble and docile to the workings of God in our lives. And we just have to ask. It's very, very simple. So I'm excited about where we're headed in this conversation today because it's always a great reminder to learn about who the Holy Spirit is and also just to recognize Wow, okay, yeah, he's hard to grasp. We can't control him. He's kind of hard to describe, but he's still a person that God desires to give to us and that we're encouraged to have a relationship with. And so why not start today? And that's the whole goal of this episode. I just want to I don't just want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you all to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That is the biggest goal. So when we return We're going to keep seeing what Father Stinnison has to say about the Holy Spirit. 
He's already said some pretty awesome things, and I'm excited to hear more. So, amazing. Can't wait. (laughs) You are listening to Revival with Tara Lauderdale. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to Revival with Tara Lauderdale, and today we are trying, don't know if we're succeeding, I trust that we are succeeding, Uh, we are (laughs) talking about the Holy Spirit today, and it's super fun because we are going over one of my favorite spiritual writers, Father Wilfred Stinnison. He has written, he's very similar to Jacques Philippe, he writes just these little books that are just full of so much goodness, and he wrote this book called the holy spirit fire of divine love and we're peeking it at that today we're just peeking at chapter one the basic foundation of this book and i've discovered that it is kind of difficult giving a radio show on the holy spirit on an intellectual level i could totally i'm sure and i probably will talk to you about the experience of cooperating with the holy spirit how he moves how you can tell he's moving all that kinds of stuff but I really wanted to see what Father Stenison had to say about the Holy Spirit. And thus far, he has reminded us that the Holy Spirit is a mystery. He reminds us that God is a mystery. He can't be controlled. He can't be boxed in. He can't be defined. There really aren't words that are suitable for God. It's fitting to be silent before him. Yeah. Oh, and he's described as wind, living water, and fire. So... (laughs) That's been super fun to go over. And yeah, he's the action itself, the event itself, the prayer in us. So it's a really interesting way of thinking about things. And he's hard. You can't describe him, obviously, in the same way that you describe Jesus. I mean, they're both persons, but the way you understand the person of the Holy Spirit is entirely different from understanding a person as a human being. Again, a little bit beyond my intellectual capacity at this time, but that's okay because we're all learning together. And I'm going to keep reading from from chapter one of this book called The Spirit, God's Secret, and Yours. That's the title of this chapter. And we're going to read this section called The Spirit, The Hidden Treasure in Your Field. And I think that sounds like a really great section. So we're just going to keep learning together about the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here, and it's so fun. All right, here we go. Father Stinnison writes, The goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. Oh, wow, that's a really bold sentence. Okay, I was not planning on pausing here, but I read that, and then I realized I had to stop. Hold on, let me read that again. The goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. Okay, I have to read that again. The goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. Okay, my brain is being blown. I don't know why. Okay, are your, I I have no audience here, but maybe your brain is being blown away right now like mine is. Oh my goodness. Okay, Mm, is this the Holy Spirit? Probably. The goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. 
I literally have chills. What is happening? Okay, this is so funny. This will be really funny when this airs on the radio. Okay, this is crazy. You know why? You know why? Father Sinison is saying the whole point of Jesus becoming man, Jesus dying, and Jesus rising was so that he could send his Holy Spirit to be with us. I'm I'm like, okay. I'm going to keep reading. My brain is really just kind of shredded right now and it's so good but maybe if we go a little bit deeper into this section I'll kind of understand a little bit more I understand but it's such a bold claim that I I don't think I've ever read this before okay father Stinison, thank you you rock let's keep going (laughs) he says if God has become man if he has suffered and died for us and risen from the dead it is in order finally to fill us with the holy spirit Jesus says it with crystal clear words. I came to cast fire upon the earth and would that it were already kindled. In one of the manuscripts of Luke's gospel, it says, may your Holy Spirit come instead of may your kingdom come. God's kingdom is identified with the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with him, God is truly Lord in us. Oh yeah. All right. I'm going to pause there. Okay. So if God has become man, If he has suffered and died for us and risen from the dead, it's in order to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I think the reason that my brain is being so blown apart by just those two sentences, and it's, goodness gracious, it's so obvious. Like the whole purpose, it just, the gospel message is being solidified in my heart right now. So God became man, died on the cross, rose from the dead. Why? So he could bring us back into relationship with him. And that's that. So he could bring us back into relationship with him. We could live in the totality of that relationship. But also he confirms this. This is confirmed by the fact that he suffered, died, rose so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole purpose of all of this, of everything that God did, was so that we could be in relationship with him. And now he's taken it to a whole new level that everything he did, the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection... Is not only that we could be in relationship with him, but that we could also be filled with him. That we could literally be filled with his Holy Spirit and actually experience an even deeper unity than before. And an even deeper unity than we can even fathom, which is why I think I'm so blown away. I think when I read this, the goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. I'm just blown away by the fact that God wants a relationship with me that badly. That he did all those things in preparation for sending me himself in the Holy Spirit. That that's how badly he wants a relationship with me. And that's what he offers to me. He's literally offering himself to me. When we are filled with him, the Holy Spirit, God is truly Lord in us. When we are filled with him, God is truly Lord in us. And this is what we want. We want God to be truly Lord in us. Okay, that was just the first two paragraphs of this section, and they were really short. And I know you haven't really heard me say anything yet. You've really just heard me kind of explode over those two sentences. But that's okay. I'm more than okay with you all hearing me explode, you know? Because that's just how it is sometimes. All right, let me just keep reading Father Stennison. My goodness. He says, The theology of the West is sometimes criticized for its monochristism. It seems that theologians have devoted themselves in a biased, almost exclusive way toward Christ. But we cannot understand Christ, the truth, if we are not led by the spirit of truth who leads us into all truth. 
Perhaps this is also the reason why the theology of the West is so cold, dry, and abstract. The flame is missing. We have needed the charismatic renewal to become aware that the church is not only the church of Christ, but also the church of the Holy Spirit. There are three persons in God. We may not omit or pass over any of them. Each one of the three persons has his own function and his own role. We miss out on something essential if we limit ourselves to one or two persons. In the beginning, God's Spirit hovered over the waters. We could speak of a cosmic Pentecost, which prepared, and in some way even anticipated, the actual and definitive Pentecost. The Spirit is present from the beginning, and he sighs in creation and makes it sigh with him. We know, writes St. Paul, that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains. It begins already on the first day of creation, and this groaning is the work of the Spirit. It is man's calling to be a conscious pneumatophoros, which in parentheses means spirit bearer. What is unconscious in creation becomes conscious in man. It is his function to interpret the language of creation, to be in harmony with it and articulate it, so that it becomes a song of praise that not only God, but even his fellow men can understand. Okay, what do I think about this? What do I think about this? This is interesting. So Father Sinison is saying that we can sometimes place too much focus on the person of Jesus. I know, and that seems kind of odd. We're like, why would we not place focus on the person of Jesus? That seems kind of crazy. And what he's saying is for us to really understand the person of Jesus, though, to understand truth, we need the Holy Spirit. And so we got to have the fire of the Holy Spirit to really, truly encounter truth, Jesus Christ. So he's saying that the church is not just the church of Christ, but also the church of the Holy Spirit. We have to actually, we can't just, we can't omit any of the persons of the Trinity. We're actually called to love them all, to have relationships with all of them, and to cooperate with all of them. So I think it's interesting that he says that it's our calling to be, and I've never seen this word before, it is man's calling to be anumatophoros, P-N-E-U-M-A-T-O-F-O-R-O-S, pneumatophoros, pneumatophoros, not sure at all. I'm going to not use that word again. I'm just going to say spirit bearer because apparently that's what that means. But he says it's our calling to be a spirit bearer. We're called to bear the Holy Spirit. How interesting. And, and by being spirit bearers, we're actually called to be in harmony with creation. Hmm. So interesting. Again, I really, I don't have much else to say about what Father Stinnison is writing about just because I'm learning alongside you. This is also new to me, so I'm just kind of receiving this as we go, clearly. So I'll keep going. The next section underneath this chapter is called Walk in the Spirit. Okay, so Father Stinnison writes, To be a conscious spirit bearer has far-reaching consequences. The spirit is not a gem or a pearl, which, however precious it might be, does not transform a person. He is the life giver. He is dynamic and vitalizing. He is an inner compass who also gives us the capacity and power to navigate according to that compass. St. Thomas Aquinas says he is the new law in person. The Christian ethic is not a collection of laws and commands. It is a person. God has not given us a series of norms that we must follow. He has given us his own ethic. The same spirit who moves and motivates God in his actions is now also in us, 
and impels us to live the same way as God. We cannot complain that God demands things of us that he does not do himself. We have the same ethic as he, because he has given us his spirit. The law of Moses consisted of many commands. One could not see the forest for the trees. The new law is one because it is a unique person. In the new law, there is only one command, love. And love is identical with the Holy Spirit. We have only to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All the rest will take care of itself. But the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing teaches you about everything. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. Could life be more simple than that? Do as the Spirit teaches you. And what does he teach you? Only this, abide in me. Human norms can easily have an alienating effect. We are forced to act in a way that is foreign to us. The norms can become a superego, which sets itself up as a tyrant and depersonalizes us. The Christian ethic, on the other hand, can never depersonalize or lead to alienation because it is itself a person, a divine person, and a person who is also in complete harmony with our being. For we are created in God's image. This person touches us in the very depths of our being where we are most ourselves. There is a unity and harmony between the spirit and our spirit. It is the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That is why the Christian ethic, the spirit, makes man free. And again, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The one who lets himself be led by the spirit may do at all times what his heart desires. It is true he is obeying the will of another, the will of God, but this will has become one with his own longing. He has received a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to observe my ordinances. No one is as free as the one who needs only to satisfy the most burning desire of his heart. The more we live in accord with this powerful longing, the more intense it becomes. The spirit never ceases to sigh. The more he quenches our thirst, the thirstier we become. In Christianity, desire is holy. It is the direct consequence of the spirit's presence in man. He is a flowing stream. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him who is thirsty come. When the spirit lives in us or we in the spirit, it is then that we begin to come. There is a living water in me that speaks, writes Ignatius of Antioch, and says to me from within, come to the father. This water is the Holy Spirit himself. Okay, so I'll tell you something. I read all of that, and then I realized that I had no idea what I was going to say about it. <laughs> so I actually put recording on a pause, and I left, and then I reread that section that I just finished reading to you all, and I realized how wonderful it is. So I'm going to zero in on a few sentences from that section under Walk in the Spirit. So Father Sinison is telling us that for us to actually... Wow, it's really incredible. So he's been he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's talking about what it is for man to be a spirit bearer. And he's saying possessing the Holy Spirit is not like we're possessing a gem or a pearl. But actually, he says that the Holy Spirit is the life giver. He's dynamic. And he's described as an inner compass. And he actually has the capacity to transform a person. 
And what I love, as Father Sinison continues in this section, is he says that the Christian ethic is not a collection of laws and commands. It's a person. And so I think that's actually really what the what is at the heart of the Christian journey is not, again, that we're just obeying a set of laws where we're like just kind of being told what to do and we're doing it, but that we're following a person. We're following the Blessed Trinity. We're following what the incarnate Son of God has revealed to us about the Father, but then we're also being led by his Holy Spirit. So going back to that sentence that just completely blew my mind from this same chapter, when Father Sinison says that the goal of the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection is Pentecost. So again, God gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his Holy Spirit, and he says that Father Stinnison says that in this new law, the only commandment that we are given is to love. And he says love is identical with the Holy Spirit. So really, all we have to be is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, and the rest will take care of itself. And he goes on to write, because when I, I read this section to you all, and I knew it was full of so many treasures, but I was having the toughest time zeroing in on what I was supposed to share. And so I read this section again two more times when I took my pause from recording. And again, this other sentence that struck me was Father Stenison really emphasizing. He says, could life be more simple than that? Do as the Spirit teaches you. And what does he teach you? Only this, abide in me. Only this, abide in me. So I guess the, the point that he's really trying to drive home is... Really, for us to live the Christian life, we just have to, it's very simple. We have to ask for one thing. We have to be asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we have to ask to be disposed to him, to be able to cooperate with him. Because it's one thing for us to ask for him. And then it's another thing to strive to always be ready to receive him and then to let him do the work. And so a lot of, right, so Being a disciple of Jesus means imitating him and being transformed into him. And so what I'm emphasizing today by reading about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the transforming action. He's the one who transforms us and turns us into God. But then Father Sinison is just such an incredible writer. He just throws in this little other little nugget when he says that he's sharing this important reality that when we follow the Christian ethics, when we're following the person of God, We aren't being alienated and we're not, we are actually following God is in total harmony with our being. That's what he's saying. He says, so we're created in God's image and actually there is something fitting about us receiving the Holy Spirit and cooperating with him. He says there's a unity and a harmony between the Holy Spirit and our spirit. We're actually made to receive this Holy Spirit and to let him govern us at all times. And not only that, but he's the one who actually governs our desires and is the answer to all of our desires, which is insane. The more we live in accord with this longing for the Holy Spirit, the more intense it becomes, is what Father Stinnison writes like a paragraph later. And he says, the more that the Holy Spirit quenches our thirst, the thirstier we become for him. So the Holy Spirit is someone that we're made for, that we're always going to desire that we have the that with him we have the capability of being transformed into God but that actually again if the cross the incarnation the resurrection all were for the sake of pentecost then it makes so much sense that God doesn't desire to just give his holy his holy spirit to a select few 
but he desires to give his spirit to everyone. He's desiring to give his very life, his divine life to us, which is the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm driving at. And this is why I was having such a hard time giving a commentary on this earlier, because Father Sinison writes really complex and beautiful realities in such a simple way that I read it and I knew I was missing something. And then I read it again and I realized, wow, this is actually, this is it. This is why the charismatic movement is such a big deal and why it's bringing the Catholic Church back to life in so many places and why it's bringing so many Protestant churches to life. Because when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and you actually have a relationship with him, your whole relationship, your whole relationship with God is utterly and totally transformed once you meet the person of the Holy Spirit and you realize that he's exactly the person that you need to become the person that you have been made to become. And that more than that, the more you receive him, the more you're going to want him and the more you're invited to ask for more of him so that we can say with St. Paul, no, no longer it is I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. The only way that that can become real and true and possible is with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's everything we're reading about today. Okay, great. So where do we go from here? Oh, what a good question. Well, I think it's super simple. If you've been baptized, you have already received the Holy Spirit. If you have been confirmed you have already been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And now you just got to cooperate. Now you just got to cooperate with his graces. And I just do highly encourage you to do this. I started, I did this little activity with the women that are in Bible study with me. So fun. Uh, I invited them to practice praying to all three persons of the Blessed Trinity. So to talk to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And no surprise, uh, it was tougher for them to talk to the Father and the Holy Spirit. Okay, makes sense. So my invitation to you is if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, start talking to him. Go to scripture and read about him. Read about him, especially at the Annunciation. Read about him and what he does through the apostles in the Acts of the Apostles. Read about what Jesus says about him in his farewell discourse. And then ask for the Holy Spirit to come and be with you and fill you and dwell in you. And ask for graces to make room for him and to cooperate with him and, and to respond to him. Christianity is super simple. We just have to do what Jesus tells us. And he tells us all the time to ask and to ask for the Holy Spirit. And that's it. So start really simply by asking for, for more of the Holy Spirit. Ask for graces to cooperate with him. And then just trust and live and, and give him lordship over your life. I know it seems more... It seems like it'd be more complicated than that, but if this is what God wants, he's going to make it something that everybody can do. And everybody has the capacity to ask, and everybody has the capacity to ask for specific things, and we're all made in the image of God, and so we're all meant to have his Holy Spirit. We just got to, again, ask for him and cooperate with him. So let's pray. Maybe I'll do another show on the Holy Spirit one day. Who knows? All I know is this was a surprisingly more challenging show than I thought it would be. But I think it's because I made it complicated and I realized that it's super simple. <laughs> so let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for this day. For all the ways that you make yourself known to us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit right now. That we would be filled anew from the bottom of our feet to the top of our heads with your Holy Spirit. Please help us, Lord, to cooperate with all the ways that he's working and moving in our being. Please help us to say yes to you having lordship over our lives. Help us to surrender ourselves to you, to abandon ourselves to you totally and completely. Please help us to love you, Lord, to give everything that we have and are to you. 
I just pray that anything that is of your Holy Spirit that was said today, that it would be sealed and imprinted upon our hearts, Lord. And anything that was not of your Holy Spirit that was said, that it would be cast away forever. And I just entrust and I pray for all of those listening to this show. And I pray for a new anointing of the Holy Spirit in our church. I just pray, Lord, always for your will to be done. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for joining me. I hope you have an incredible week. You have been listening to Revival with Tara Lauderdale.